Welcome to our message for April 23rd, 2023. Our text for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, the first part of verse 14, and then verses 36 through 41. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you call us to repent, not just once, not when we just when we first believe, but to be in an attitude of ongoing repentance, of continually growing closer and closer to you. So Lord, today, help us to once again come to you in spirit and truth and repent of our old way of being. And Lord, today, shape us to be a little bit more like you. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. When's the last time you were saved? That's a strange question, isn't it? It's not the way many of us were trained to think about salvation. For us, for many of us at least, that's not the way it works. Many, maybe most of us, were raised on the amazing grace approach to salvation. I once was lost, and now I'm found. Very binary. I was one way, and now I'm indifferent. Early on, I learned that salvation is a one-time event. We discover, perhaps through a revival service, that we're lost. And we're regaled with all of the dangers of our lostness. The, the, preacher, uh, the preacher is clear about all of the bad things that will happen if we continue in our lost state. Then we're offered rescue through what Jesus did for us at the cross. The pathway to salvation then goes through repentance. Repent and be saved. We watched it in the Billy Graham Crusades, and I experienced it in revivals and summer camps. You know, the preacher convinces us that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Perhaps they ask us to bow our heads, close our eyes, and raise our hands if we want to be forgiven and ask Jesus into our hearts. He might lead us in the sinner's prayer. After praying, we went down to the altar to continue to pray with a pastor or a counselor. I know that was a powerful time for me, and in fact, I've done it more than once. I've responded that way more than once, just to be sure. I didn't want to be left out. Those times really were powerful and important for me, and I'm not making light of them in any way whatsoever. Last weekend, we were at Camp Sumatanga, where I had many of those experiences, And the memories came back fresh and powerful to me once again. I am so grateful for those times. And today's text reminds me of those experiences. Peter addresses a crowd that has literally been enemies with Christ, as we all have. The crowd in Acts was actually responsible for crucifying Jesus. 
Some in the crowd that day were almost certainly among the crowd who called for Jesus' crucifixion and Barabbas' liberation. So they were actually responsible for the death of Jesus. But so are we, aren't we? Isn't it our sin that crucified Jesus just as much as theirs? And Peter graciously offers salvation. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. I want the same for every one of us. I want the same for everyone in the community around us. This message is good news. But if the news is so good, why do we treat it like a one-off event? I was lost. Now I'm found. I'm done. That's all. Really? Is that the message of the church? That once we were lost, now we're found, and now we're finished? Really? I mean, I was saved at seven years old. Was I finished then? Was that the end of the work of God in my life to get me saved, to rescue me from hell, and then let me just live out the remainder of my decades waiting to, on time to punch my ticket? Of course not. We know better than that. We know that development has to continue to happen, that, that our first belief is not our final belief. Peter tells the crowd to repent. The word in Greek, the original language of the New Testament, is metanoia. Uh, it's a compound word. Meta means beyond. Think about metaphysics or meta-universe or metamorphosis. Noeo is the word to understand or to think upon or to consider. When you put them together, they are an encouragement to go beyond your understanding or to enlarge your understanding, enlarge your thinking. In Greek, the word also connects understanding to behavior. Now, there's a different word for remorse or regret. You know, for when we just feel bad about what we've done, but we don't intend to do anything to fix it. They actually have a different word for that. Metanoia, on the other hand, implies a broader understanding along with a change in behavior to match. In other words, metanoia means that we think bigger and then we act differently. We enlarge our thinking and then we alter our behavior to match our new thinking. So Peter is telling the crowd, and he's telling us to enlarge our understanding of Jesus and to change our behavior in order to be saved. Peter's message is consistent with Paul in Romans chapter 12, where he tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The pathway to transformation is the renewing of our minds. And again, that means enlarging our thinking, making our thinking new, but then also causing our behavior to match our new thinking. So I ask you again, when is the last time you were saved from your old way of thinking? When did you last repent? When did you last enlarge your thinking about God? For me, it happens quite often, sometimes with some pain and embarrassment. As a teenager and young adult Christian, I thought the right thing to do for us Christians, for us holy folks, was to isolate ourselves, to keep ourselves distant from non-Christians, from evil influences. I thought the pathway to holy living was to seclude ourselves from 
unholy influences. And so I was very much a separatist in my early Christian life. That's not unusual. Many Christian groups throughout history have been separatist groups. They want to pull away from the evil influences of the world and form their little holy clubs all off by themselves. And that really spoke to me as a young Christian. But then my thinking was enlarged. I kept studying Jesus. I kept learning more about this person I call Savior. And I began to understand more and more that Jesus was the friend of sinners, that Jesus routinely crossed over those barriers that I had put up for my own spiritual safety. And so as my thinking about Jesus enlarged, if Jesus went into those places, then surely I must as well. I must also become the friend of sinners. For a long time, I was staunchly anti-abortion. It's an easy position for a white guy to hold. Until I met an 11-year-old pregnant girl. That enlarged my thinking. I it, it wasn't such an easy solution any longer. I, would, I was staunchly pro-Israel forever, without question. Israel was God's chosen people, and whatever they did must be right, and we should back them without question, so I thought, until I met some Palestinians, until I made friends with someone who grew up on the West Bank. And suddenly, it's a much more complicated prob- problem. My thinking has been enlarged. Uh, When I was younger, the answer to immigration seemed easy. We have immigration laws. Everybody ought to follow the law. It's as simple as that. Until I lived for a week in a horribly poor Mexican village, not far across our southern border. And I realized that if I were a dad in that village, I would do anything possible to provide for my family. In my younger days, I raged against affirmative action. I called it reverse discrimination until meaningful relationships with other ethnic groups expanded my knowledge, until my understanding of my own privilege expanded my knowledge, and I realized that, yes, we've got to do something to broaden our justice. Those are just a few of the conversions that I've been through. There there are many others that I won't bore you with today. But how about you? When were you last converted? If you've held the same views for decades, if your thinking hasn't changed in decades, then either either you were absolutely right 30 or 40 years ago, you had it all figured out perfectly then, or you've refused to repent, refused to enlarge your thinking with all your life's experience. I pray that today all of us will hear Peter's appeal with new ears. He's not just talking about our initial profession of faith. He's not just talking about trying to make lost people found people. He is encouraging all of us to repent that our sins may be forgiven, to enlarge our thinking so that we can become more like Christ. Save yourselves. Transform yourselves by the renewing of your minds. If we can't remember the last time we repented, the last time we experienced conversion, maybe now's the time. Today is the day of salvation. Amen.